Gotta. Because that place, I said you're going there in like October, Estes Park. There's going to be elk all oh, over. I'd be so jealous. Yeah. So jealous. A bunch of my family went out there in September, early September. I don't know, probably three years ago now, four years ago. Yeah. And it was just bull after bull walking through town and bugling at night. And, ah, uh, man. That's a pretty, it's a really cool place because it's just like a, it almost reminds me of like an old Western town or like what you see yep. in a movie. It's just mountains and then all of a sudden you come over a hill and it's just a town. Yep. And this Nestled just, in the valley there. Yeah. All the boardwalk, like souvenir shops and all that that's, stuff that's and cool it is cool i, I want to go i really want to go there in um winter time ryan and i are talking about going back just like go with a bunch of people that snowboard and ski and go they can hit all the resorts and yep. we'll just sit at like the bar yeah and watch and come down and i'm like i want to buy like one of those dumb and dumber sweaters <laughs> so i can just sit in the, in the lobby and just watch the snow <laughs> we uh we used to go out to colorado snowboarding in the winter my buddy brett Brett and I and my brother Austin and stuff. And one year, Brett and I went out there. It was just him and I. And uh, he had a, he went to college out there. So we stayed in you know, Greeley one night and stuff like that. And then went in the mountains and we snowboarded all day. And then, you know, sometime in the afternoon, we're like, let's go up to the Tiki Bar. And we're sitting there at the bottom of Copper Mountain, the half pipes there where they have the X Games and everything. <laughs> and we're like two or three beers in, just feeling perfect. And these giant snowflakes are coming down. And we're overlooking the mountain, and like this hippie guy running the bar is like, "Yeah, man, we're always looking for help. I guarantee I can take you over to the office. We'll get you guys will have a job by tomorrow morning. Uh, you can just stay here, and we got we got working lodging over here. Um, you can stay out here all winter. A lot of people stick around the summer and get summer gigs too, and then just rotate. And me and Brett were like looking at each other, like we could literally just not go back home. Yeah, and just oh." I was real close to doing it and trying it, but I was helping a guy do windows and doors in the winter. Oh, you know what I mean. So I was like, mm-hmm. I had a job for for a buddy cash job kind of thing. But it would have been fun to say I did it. Like, just yeah, heck yeah, I'll be a ski bum for winter. So, <laughs> but who knows? Probably would have gotten hooked on the marijuana and just become <laughs> a loser and never done anything with myself. The marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, our good family or a good family or good couple friends, uh, Courtney and Cody, they're going to be coming on the podcast soon, but they traveled the world. Yep. Uh, it started in like Bali, but then they ended up making it to New Zealand and that's what oh. they did. They, they worked at some ski resort cause they're, they're really into snowboarding. So yep. they worked at the resort and they stayed there Fun. in New Zealand for like, I want to say they're there for almost a year. Oh, that's sweet. They'd send pictures to us all the time. They send us like postcards. Yep. It was good for them. You guys have to come here. Good for them. I I think if you can do that, why not? It's a whole different experience. Yeah. Talk about all of your comfort zone, you know? Jeez. Working in a whole different country. Like, whoo. Well, and they'd only, uh, they'd go to whatever country they're in and then they wouldn't have any money. Sure. And then it, as soon as they had enough money saved up, then they'd move and go to, oh my they buy plane tickets and then go somewhere else and then live there. Oh, wow. And yeah. They were like, they were gone for a year and a half, I think. And they went to all these different countries. That's, that's a different level. That's yeah. crazy, man. That's crazy. I think the last time they, I don't remember where they were, but like they, they stayed in like a car. I know they don't cause I've met them, but 
all I picture is stinky freaking armpits and dreadlocks <laughs> and just some somebody that literally does not look put together just floating in the wind. Yeah. But they're not like that. No. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I couldn't do that. That that's could that, Mariah do that without stressing I, out every day? <laughs> I think she could do it for like a week. Yeah. But I I'd be freaking out the whole oh, time. Oh, for sure. Like, we don't have any money. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like that just nonchalant, don't care right. type deal. It'll I, be fine. I couldn't do that. Just yep. go with the flow. I'm definitely not that kind of person. No, no. Not not with a lot. Not with things like that. No. Like paying the bills. Yeah. Get a well, little more. Like, don't have any bills. You just got a credit that's card true. probably. You just keep charging. That's true. But if, yeah, but at least I can walk to my mom's house from here. Like, mm-hmm. if, if I'm in New Zealand without any money and a way to get out of there, like. Bororandos, Bororandos, here we come. Bororandos, Bororandos, here we come. So welcome to the Border Outdoors podcast. I'm Mac. I'm Seth. Uh, Seth came over this morning and we're going to talk a lot of bow hunting. The season starts on Saturday, so we're going to cover just a wide variety of probably like last minute tips, um, things to maybe look at when you're out hunting, uh, get into a little more in-depth stuff about early season bow hunting. But first, Seth went out for... Minnesota's early teal opener. Yeah, yeah, first time we ever had it in the state. So I, uh, that was uh, September fourth, so Saturday of Labor Day weekend, and um, told myself, well, I gotta try it because I don't know <laughs> if they'll have it again next year. I, if I understand it right, they can renew it for two to three more years, but they might not. So we'll see. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Brotherhood guys had some a lot more success than I did. Um, I went out to a small lake here in central Minnesota and. Um, you know, water was real low on that lake, and there was, by the time shooting time came around, there was four groups out there, including me. So, three other groups of hunters, other than just me and my dog. And, um... What kind of dog do you have? We got a black lab. Cash. He's a British lab. He's, uh... His parents were about 47 pounds, his mother, and his... And, and the dad was a uh, 51 or 53. I can't remember, but small dogs. Cash is not... No, he is a seventy pound, seventy five pound dog, and he's not a fat dog or anything like that. He's just long and tall. He is not what you would, cons- you know, when you see him, you don't think British Lab, other than the fact his head is not the size of a lot of like Labradors, you yep. know. So, but he's a good dog. That's the biggest reason I went out. Like the best thing about getting a dog is, I would say forty percent of the time I go out hunting, it's because I feel guilty he's not, mm-hmm. or because I really want to. St- get him out there right so it's it's a it's a fun motivator for sure so um my boss has a canoe because i just got some kayaks right now i don't have a boat currently but my boss had a canoe that he said i could borrow so i took his canoe went to the lake got there uh, a little before four in the morning um and there was a guy launching right when i got there got out there ended up getting the spot i wanted which is kind of a fun story so my grandparents used to own basically half the lake shore on this lake uh, including a couple islands and um um they passed away back in you know 2005 range but as a kid always got to duck hunt out there that's where i started duck hunting my aunt and uncle brought me out there on a youth hunt 
My dad would always bring me out there on the weekends. And so on this one island, um, the current landowner I've stayed in touch with, and he gives he, he's never had a problem with me hunting on his islands. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've never seen him out there. He I know he used to bow hunt, but it doesn't sound like he's getting older now, so I don't think he even bow hunts on his property anymore. But it's fun because I go out to that little island. Nostalgia's there. There's a, there's a wooden duck blind that my dad and I built back in, I don't know, 2001, 2000, something like that. And it's it's all decrepit, but a lot of it's still solid. The posts are still solid and stuff. So it's just kind of fun to see see that and kind of do a little reflection out there on a little island by myself. But as far as hunting goes, I could have shot about 300 wood ducks and I don't know how many mergandrews. And I actually would have killed some mallards. I hate mallards, but I could have killed mallards. But uh, um, how come you hate mallards? They're just dicks. <laughs> they're dicks, man. I, I, I don't know what it is about a mallard, but they just, they're one of those ducks where it's like, oh, yeah, we got them. Their wings are locked. They're coming in. They're at 90. They're at 80. They're at 70. What 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 went wrong? Like all of, all of a sudden, when they need to come that twenty or thirty more yards, they curve hard left or right and let way out there, or just change their mind. And so I don't know. I just always find them so annoying. As far as they're not dumb enough, I guess. Yeah. So, but you always see mallards in like fields around here. They just like you. They constantly circle and circle and circle right. and circle. Yeah. Like they can't commit. Like a wood duck just right right in right. Too much thinking. They just annoy me. Just get in here so I can shoot you already. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so it's kind of weird. You know, for most duck hunters, you're used to shooting half hour before sunrise. But with the early teal, it's not till s- sunrise, mm-hmm. right? So it's plenty light out. And um, I did hear some shooting in the distance about 20 minutes early. So I don't know if those people were shooting at geese because early goose was open. So they could shoot at geese or if they were not up to par with the regs and just were pulling triggers early on teal. But that was kind of a last minute thing, wasn't it? That they announced. Cause I, it was in the hunting regulation handbook in the waterfall. Oh, it thing. was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think they knew early enough, right. Where if you went to go buy your stamps and stuff, you probably should have been able to find that out. But, um, anyway, sat there. I, I didn't see much for teal. I, I saw one nice flock of 15 to 20. Saw a couple mixed in with some mallards flying around i had oh let's see i think i had one one or two buzz in with some wood ducks that i didn't shoot at and then eventually one came in with two wood ducks and so my first shot they were kind of bunched together so my mm-hmm. first shot i was kind of like well i don't know he's kind of he's, he was out in the front but i was like yeah, i don't know man <laughs> like i'm i'm always shooting behind anyway so I shot like way out in front, hoping it would kind of flare them. And it did a little bit. But, you know, by the time I got my second shot, they were just out there a little ways and, you know, missed. So that was that was the only action I really had as far as teal on my decoys. But with that being said, I had so many other ducks landing in the decoys. It was fun to watch them. The dog was just, there we go, there we go. So, but it was great for him because yep. he, he, I mean, he had lots of fun swimming and playing in the water with me while I was setting decoys and, um, he was definitely having fun watching birds. It's always fun to watch him look in the sky and one lands, and it was really good training for him just to sit tight, hold tight. You know. Did you have uh did you have him tied up? Nope. No, I don't usually tie him up. I, I, I have him heel or place next to me, right? And he usually sits. Um if I was in the water, I got a little platform, I'll stand up for him, but the shoreline was dry and stuff yep. like that. We we're up in the vegetation. Um 
So yeah, he just sat next to me. The first duck that came in a little before shooting time, like early, early, mm. like it wasn't even legal for a half hour before sunrise. A couple wood ducks came and splashed in the water about 12 feet off the shoreline. And he like, you know, we weren't quite set set up yet. And he like jumped through the bushes like a warthog, right? Like, <laughs> yeah! And like, it was crazy. The ducks didn't even move. They didn't even move. They're like, where, where? Like looking at him like, what, what's up, dude? Like, yeah. And he like stands on the edge of the water. I'm like, get back here. And he oh, comes walking back in all sad. So, but other than that, he did, he, he did good. And he didn't run around. He doesn't get impatient. He's not a wanderer. He, he, he knows what we're there to do. It was just a bummer. I didn't get him one to retrieve. So, but he had fun. So is that'd be a spot you're thinking about going opener then? Yeah, I almost certainly will just go there for opener. You know, I definitely saw plenty of ducks to have fun mm-hmm. on opener, you know. And who knows? That was the only day I went on the early teal season. I didn't have enough action to say to the wife, I'm going back out tomorrow for sure. You know, like, okay, I tried it. I just wanted to try it and see what it kind of felt like. And uh, who knows? With all the other guys shooting up other marshes and stuff like that, maybe there would have been more teal on the lake. Yep. You know, it's not... It's not um, it's a decent waterfall lake, but it's not heavily cattail or marsh edges. It's it's wooded edges. A lot of oak oaks up to the edge of the water, so that's why you see so many wood ducks and stuff out there. But it was fun. It was fun to do. Weather was nice. I didn't have a single mosquito. Yeah. With the drought this year, there's no bugs. Um, not a single mosquito. All the equipment worked. Um, I mean, I was out there early. I mean, shooting time wasn't until 6.40-something, and I was, you know, I was all set up by... 4 30 in the morning so i just just out there just enjoying some coffee and sitting quiet it was fun it sounds like a nice relaxing morning it was it was i went into it like not running gun style like i've never set up a dozen decoys so slow in my life like i was just like old man walking to shore grabbing a couple decoys yeah let's throw in there let's throw in there like yeah (laughs) i was just in chill mode it was it was really enjoyable for sure I'll be curious what the report is, how many guys shot the wrong species and stuff like that. I had a lot of ducks come in. Like, Did the guys in the lake that you were with, did they? I never talked to them. I kind of like took my time when I left the lake. I left a little little early, nine-ish or whatever, but uh, I, I was hoping to talk to some of them because one other group for sure shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was two. Yeah, I think two of the other groups shot. One, just like a single shot. The other one had three or four rounds go off, so... You know, I'm curious what they shot or. So you know. do you think they're being uh, conscious? Of, oh, for sure. Of teal. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, two of the groups I could see pretty clearly. I definitely saw wood ducks and other birds fly over and through their spreads. And they never popped up or seemed like they were about to, to do anything unkosher. So. Um, That's a good sign at least. Yeah. Maybe, maybe right? there's a chance. On my lake it yeah. was. So. We'll see. We'll see what the DNR's report is if they want to give it another go. I, I, I'll just say this, talking to the Brotherhood guys, and they can go over their story when they come back on, but uh, they had a lot more success. Mm-hmm. They were in a lot different type of hunting place, but um, that that just kind of proves, like, if you have a bad experience, like I did, I didn't have many chances. It doesn't mean early teal season isn't totally worth going out for. I just wasn't in a prime spot or the right spot that day or Stuff like that. So it yeah. was still a lot of fun to go out. Yeah, those guys hit their uh, their goal. They they limited out on teal that whole morning. Smokes, that's awesome. And then I think on uh, Sunday, they you guys can go on uh, Bo- or Brotherhood's Facebook or Instagram. 
Yeah, pictures of it. We posted some last week of the podcast. But they 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 shot more than one goose too. Yep. So they they had a really good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And and they worked for it too. It sounds like they had to trudge across a, a pretty good cattail swamp and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. It was it was fun. So it's fun listening to all the people's stories on, on it that. Is. It is. Especially those two. Those guys are hilarious. Oh yeah. I I I just sense that they bicker like a married couple oh, when yeah. they're out there too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so moving on, uh on what was it, Wednesday night, we joined a fantasy football league. Oh yeah. So it's a podcast league league with two other uh podcasts. One is Frigid Takes and one is Dad Bought Outdoors. We tried to do like a Zoom <laughs> Zoom call podcast while we're all drafting. 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 <laughs> yeah, well, we're all drafting. But, but uh it was it was an absolute blast. It we're all like, oh, we'll do this podcast like a half hour before, then we'll do it during the draft. And I think it was two hours. Oh yeah. I've just like, it was goonery. Just, oh, just guys throwing disses at each other about podcasts and oh god it was so much fun it was fun it was fun at, w- at one moment jackie came downstairs to grab something and as she's walking upstairs she just looks at me and looks over at the card table i'm set up at and she goes so many beers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was it was it was a great time so ultimately we got a little contest going yeah so the it's it's kind of a different type of league. We'll just cover this like pretty briefly because I know people probably want to hear about the ball, ball the good stuff. stuff. Yep. But so in this league, there is eight teams: three from Dadbot Outdoors, which is Matt, Mitch, and Tyler; two from Frigid Takes, which is Rick, and I don't even know his name, but it's they call him AP. AP. Yep. And then. Uh, three of us from Border, which is you and I and Scott. Yep. So the the way it works is everyone plays like a normal fantasy football league, but if someone in your league wins, you get like everybody on the podcast, like the winning podcast then. So you get like rings, I guess, like almost yep. like Super Bowl rings, but they're yep. fantasy football rings. And then if you lose, whoever loses. So whichever person gets last place. Yeah. So say I get last place and Matt from DadBot Outdoors gets first place. They have to, he has to write something up. Yep. That we have to say on the podcast. Yes. For for two two months. months. So like a 20 second. Yeah. Little clip. Clip that you have to say. Which could be anything. Oh, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. These guys are, uh, they're a lot like us and it's going to be like. Brutal. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. brutal. So we, the, I want to win. I want to, oh, yeah. but mostly I don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest thing is I don't want to be last place. So, but if we are, it's going to be hilarious. And there'll be a bunch of side bets and stuff like that. So like for instance, you know, so if anything entertaining is happening, we'll fill you guys in on the podcast. Yep. Week number one, I'm facing Mitch. So we got a little side bet because there's a, our DU banquets coming up. This will air like on the 14th of September, yep. but on the 13th we got a gun bash in Buffalo, and Mitch will be there. And so him and I got some side bets for drinks and tabs and stuff for that night. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, and then uh, I got a. I'm with. Uh, I'm going against Tyler from Dad Bod, and I think um, 
the loser has to chug like a lukewarm like Smirnoff. <laughs> like not even cold. <laughs> it's terrible. So yeah. How, how's your projection look? Not good. Oh no. <laughs> not oh good. no. We'll have to well yeah, it's not good. Should be fun. There'll be a lot of fun to be had. So Yeah, it was fun to watch the games on Thursday. It was a good game to start the season off. It was. And I I haven't watched football in the last two years. Yep. So this year I'm kinda actually watching football. Yep. It was. It felt good to watch football. I, I like fantasy football. I never thought I'd like it that much, but when I started four years ago, it was like, okay, <laughs> I I get it now. I can see how people get yeah. consumed by this stuff. But, Not that I'm a diehard football fan, but you're more of a fan when you have something like that going on. So yeah. So if any of you guys want to listen to that podcast, uh, like the Zoom podcast, we're not going to air it on here, but you can go to Dadbot Outdoors or Frigid Takes. I think they're on just about every podcast platform like we are. So they're on Spotify or uh, SoundCloud, Apple, all that stuff. So you can go on there and listen to it just because we already had like a big thing for bow hunting and stuff. That's why we're not going to air it. So go to theirs and you can hear it if you want. You can hear the uh, insults and the drafts and all that fun stuff. And Yeah, give them guys some downloads and hopefully you enjoy listening to their podcast. I know that... uh, Frigid takes, they're more of a, like, sports. They talk a lot of football, a lot of baseball, like, a lot, just a lot of sports in general. Uh, Dad Bod, they talk uh, pretty similar to us. They talk about, like, hunting, uh, fishing, and but they they have a huge, um, like, barbecue. Right, knowledge. Knowledge, and, like, yeah. the, I think it's called, like, Barbecue Roundtable. They have a bunch of buddies. They all get together, drink some beers, and they smoke. Cooking strategies. A bunch of different ribs, butts. All bunch yep. of different stuff. So, if you want to learn more about that stuff, just look them guys up. I'll be smoking their butts in this fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> so, alrighty. So, to get on to the main meal here, we're going to talk. Bow opener is September eighteenth, so that's this Saturday. Yep. Uh, let's get in into, Minnesota here. Yep. Let's get in some last minute prep. Uh, so by now you should probably. Have obviously shot. Yeah. You practice your shooting, be comfortable with all that. But you want to really go through all of your gear. Yep. To make sure that you have all the essential things that you need for that hunt. Everyone likes to be optimistic and you like to go out Saturday morning at opener or Saturday afternoon. Yep. Uh, make sure you have your your backpack, um, a plan in place. Make sure that all your clothes are washed. I use... Um, I had the name of the brand, just like the Fleet Farm, like cheapest. Oh, yeah. uh, I know Steph. Scent control stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, dead downwind. Yeah, that's what I use. Yep. So I use that stuff. I I buy the spray. I buy the soap for the yep. shower. I buy the laundry detergent. So I pretty much wash all that. Mm-hmm. And then after I wash my clothes, I have like a just a tote. Nice. I keep just all keep my all stuff in, in a tote with, and I'll even grab some... Uh, dirt sheets sure I'll even throw that in there yep uh one thing i'm gonna do different this year is i normally wear like muck boots mm-hmm. but with the new strategy i have um trying to do like that running gun type deal like you did yep. last year spawn stock i'm gonna wear tennis shoes nice to kind of keep the noise down sure plus my i have like a arctic pro muck boots so like they're pretty warm they're, and, they're very warm. yeah so That'll be different. Otherwise, um, 
check your rangefinder batteries. I have the Halo 450, just just Walmart Walmart yep. brand. I think it was like eighty bucks. And if if any of you guys have a hard time finding batteries for your site, for your rangefinder, I've gone to Walmart, I've gone to Target, gas stations. The best place to go is Batteries Plus. Yeah, they, they have everything. They have all that you just. Oh yeah, we got that. And they're all right there. Yep. And then uh, knife, knife is huge. Yeah, sharpen your knife. Yeah, and you don't want to go sharpen out. your knife. <laughs> yeah, because you'll end up shooting a deer, and then you're gonna be pissed when you go to field dress it and all that stuff. So <laughs> another uh, couple other things. Well, yeah, you don't. I've I've been that guy. Oh yeah. It's I, you, you have a, a dull us, knife. Yep. You're like, like you're so excited. Oh, I'll just I'll remember to sharpen this the morning of or yep. the night before, and you always forget. Yep. Um, gotten gotten gloves. Yep. If you got, if you want to wear, use them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, a big one is uh, zip ties. Yep. I always forget zip ties to uh, for the tag. Sure. For the sight tag. Mm-hmm. And uh, your your rope. Right, your dragon rope, uh, deer cart, depending on how far back you're going, mm-hmm. and make sure that another thing that I always kind of do, and I don't know if you do this, but if I'm going hunting uh, that night, I always call you and say, "Hey, oh sure, I'm going out, uh, whatever tonight." Yep. So stay, keep your phone ready, right? Just in case I get something. something. Yes. But I also, you know, tell tell somebody that you're going out. Yep. Because. If no one knows and something happens, right? It's always nice to talk to your wife or your girlfriend or whoever. Yep. So it's like, oh, did you they haven't heard from you for a while, right? Maybe even give them like a general area of where you're going to be. It's kind of hard for right wives and stuff, but mm-hmm. and like with the modern apps like Onyx, you can flat out text somebody a, a point. Like you, you could text me a pin drop of exactly where you're at. I'm not going to share it with anybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you trust me not to go. Hey, everybody, this is where Mac hunts. Like yeah. <laughs> But it's an easy way just to make things safe, right? Just yeah. in case something goes south on somebody. So that's a good. That's a very good point because a lot of us just get eager and excited and run out there and you know, well, hanging stands early in the season. You're excited. I mean, stuff happens. So there's a book. Um, the Mediator came out with a book called like Hunting Stories on like Audible, and so I listen to that and like they're all like tragic stories for the most part, kind of like the the Chris Rand episode we had where he fell off the mountain. Yeah. Um, but with like all that, uh, they always like tell people where they're going. Cause like you're up in a tree stand, you slip. Now you're hanging there. Yep. You can't get to your phone or anything else. Yep. I mean, you're hanging there for a couple hours, but it's better than overnight. Right. Right. So, yeah. How, uh, so, you know, what are some of your strategies? I know you wash your clothes and stuff like that, but I, I used to be really, really scent control. I uh, I am yep. like very. It's gotten better over the years, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty. I wear like a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, and when I get out to where I'm hunting, I strip down and I spray every inch sure. of my body sure. with spray. <laughs> And I make sure I don't wear like even socks. I'll change my socks that have been washed and mm-hmm. and all that. Like I I am making sure that they're not going to smell me, and they always do regardless, right. just because right. it's so hard. But um, some of my, I I really check the wind. Like 
that that's the most lot. important thing, right? Like the wind in general, but the scent control stuff, I've I've shifted my thinking there. Where not that it's not still like it's mm-hmm. it still helps, right? Like I get, I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like a lot of people think they can be scent free, and I don't think that is possible. We just stink too much as human beings, right? Mm-hmm. But you can reduce it enough or alter it enough where it creates hesitation on their end or confusion or just uncertainty like, oh, something's a little off, but not to the point where I'm just going to bolt the other way and, and blow my horn, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, so I, I definitely think it's worth doing, but I, I used to be so bad about it where I would like literally not even go out unless I had everything washed that day or you know what i mean like if i wore hunting clothes for more than one or two days in a row i I wouldn't go out again unless i could wash it right yep and now it's just like well no this is the time i have so i'm still gonna go out and make a go i just need to like be extra extra cautious of the wind you know so well that's why like i put it in the totes like i wash my clothes i'd say i probably i'd say monthly but that's why I put all that stuff in a tote with them dirt sheets. Sure. So, like, I'll have a pack of them, and I'll throw a couple in there, and then I'll go hunting, and then I'll, if I can still smell dirt, mm-hmm. then I'll I'll call it good. Otherwise, if I'm not going for a couple of days, I'll just keep throwing dirt sheets in there to kind of mask. Right. Because everyone, you know, you're sweating. You're. Oh, yeah. There's there's bacteria in your clothing in the second you sweat on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second. And, you know, you can talk all day about their noses and what they can smell. We just can't fathom it. Yep. Right. So like if I can smell it a little bit, they can smell it a lot of it. So <laughs> so I ha- I don't I don't think I've ever used the deodorant. I have. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> you know, I've, it's just an older list deodorant is all it is. It sucks. Creates little dingleberries in your armpit areas. <laughs> it's it's not comfortable deodorant, but uh I use it. It works pretty good. It de- it's it's kinda like a um What's wrong? Like baking soda in your shoes or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just a scent neutralizer up to a certain point, you know? So works pretty good. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I should probably get some. Because mm-hmm. I like after I go after work, I'll shower at work. Sure. And then I I just never think of the, the deodorant aspect because I just showered, I guess. Yep. Oh yeah, I gotta have deodorant. <laughs> I, I definitely gotta put something on. So I'm a sweater for sure. Your sweater. What What's some of your mentality going out for early season? You know, like um, we we can get into like the the strategies of tags and areas and what deer you can shoot. But like generally speaking, what's your mentality when you're heading out that first week of the season? Are you do you know right away? Like I'm not shooting a buck or I'm not shooting a spike or you know what I mean? What's your it, personal? I, it depends on uh, private land or state land. So, if I have private land and I have pictures of good deer, um, then I'll use September and early October for does. Um, and then I'll I'll save my buck tag for if if you're in a, a management zone or whatever you can you can have an extra tag for a doe. I'll shoot my doe tag, and I'll shoot them early because I don't I don't want to shoot a doe. When it's prime, you know, rut time. Otherwise, like with state land, it's it's all about the meat. So I would go a different approach where whatever I can get. If I can get within 40 yards of a uh, uh, spike, then I'll take it. Yep, Cause sure. 
at that point, it, it's not so so much of trophy hunting. It's I need some meat to fill the freezer. Right. So right. if there's a and it it all depends because it gets so and on state land it gets so busy, like obviously in November. Mm-hmm. So like the good thing about bow hunting is you're for the most part the only one and the deer don't feel pressured yeah it's way different but like going back on with brotherhood i have a hard time passing on a doe that's sitting right there sure to oh i'm gonna wait because i can shoot that in december right or fill my tag at that time it's like well the probability of me of shooting a deer in december especially on public land it's 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 tough yeah tough if you if you're out there archery hunting in December and shooting deer on on public land, good in Minnesota yeah. here, good for you. It's definitely doable mm-hmm. without a doubt. But when you start considering the weather factor, it's just hard to go out and temps. You know that our weather is usually not that enjoyable. Yeah, and then the hunting pressure, the deer are 100 percent just they're uh, on alert in a different way after that gun season wraps up. So. Well, and like another thing that I always kind of forget about is daylight savings time. So, right. you know, like right now it doesn't get dark till seven o'clock. Well, as you get daylight savings time, you're getting off work at four or five. It's almost dark. Yeah. Shooting it's, time's it's over at, so at, at 45 or whatever. To so. drive to your state land. Right. Get dressed. Go yeah. out and hike to find a deer. Yep. So you're literally down to just your weekends at that point yep. for evening hunts so well, and morning if you're working. But yeah, limited time. I guess in the in the yep. uh, later season, but what about you? What about you? I don't chew. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Like what? Are, what are what are some strategies that you have preparing for uh, <clears throat> the opener? Sure. Yep. For you know, strategy number one is I've been shooting already for a while. Mm-hmm. That's strategy number one. I've I've played the game too many years where it was like a couple weeks before season. Oh shoot! I better start shooting. And it's just, it makes such a difference to be shooting a month and a half, two months or longer before season than the week of or two weeks before. It just, you can't, you can't speed up that process. It takes repetition over weeks to really dial it in. So step one, practice, know that that portion of your gear is working. When you talk about essential gear, uh, I've tried to change my mindset where essential gear is this clothing so i don't get a ticket for you know indecent exposure right (laughs) but that's about as far as i like i get a lot of gear ready but essential is okay you have clothing where you can go out and be protected you have your shooting equipment so you can shoot effectively and ethically like it needs to be ethically right anybody can just pull a bow back but if you have those two things oh and your hunting licenses (laughs) you're good you you can go hunting you can go hunting every night of the week. So um, that's, that's I start there. That's the essentials. As a busy guy with two kids, try not to get too wrapped up in some of the other details. Then you start breaking it down per gear. Definitely got to have your knife, tracking equipment, and all that stuff. So I've always got basically a little hunting fanny pack or a little backpack. Got to have your lights so you can track at night, especially early season. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to track at night. The temps are going to be too warm to let a deer lay. So you be ready if you're doing any kind of evening hunts. Uh, so lighting equipment, tracking equipment, um, extra batteries, GPS, whatever you might need there. 
knives, multiple knives. I'm a fan of multiple knives uh, for field dressing and all that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of gutting gloves. Just keeps things cleaner and easier. Um, a lot of people don't use them, which is totally fine. I just uh, I prefer to keep my arms as clean as possible. So, um, well, you you use like you uh you use the Onyx yep. as like your tracker. So when you shoot a deer, you pull up uh the the track or whatever yep. on Onyx. So then you can see where you started and where you ended, which is also cool to to judge the distance and how far he went. Right. But like something that I'm adding in my pack this year that I never did is like you said, toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. My aunt taught me that truck trick from day one. The first time I ever deer hunted, she taught me that trick. And that was, uh, as you're tracking a deer, especially at night, but it's, mm-hmm. it's extremely helpful during the day as well. Whether it's a poor blood trail or a fairly good one, every, if it's a poor blood trail, every drop you find, cause a lot of times it's 10, 15 yards between drops. So let's just go with that scenario. You put your piece of toilet paper on a branch, one or two squares, just hanging on a branch close to that last blood. Find the next blood, do the same thing. Find the next blood, same same thing. Because you will get to a point, especially on a poor blood trail, where you're like, hmm, like I, I can't find one. Where Where's he going? And if you take your light and shine it back, you can literally see how that deer was running. If it was running in a straight line or making like a half, a, a crescent shape. And I don't know how much blood I found. Because I was able to look back, say, yeah, I'm right in line with the last drops. Mm-hmm. Stay, you know, be confident that he was going this way. Oh, there it is. And at night, you get lost fast. Mm-hmm. Like, fast. Everything looks so different with shadows and a flashlight. Like, you could literally walk 10 steps, turn around, and it looks like woods you've never seen before. So, it'll help you find your way out, in, um, get back on the blood trail, and toilet paper in a perfect world you just grab it on your way out but if you don't it it will disintegrate and not be a factor in the woods like some of the plastic ribbons and stuff like that yep. might be so yeah i gotta i that's i saw i've been with you like almost every deer that i've shot that we've had to track and you always bring the toilet paper and yeah. i always forget yeah so i already have it in my pack Plus, if you just slammed a black rifle coffee energy drink or something, <laughs> you might have to use it for other purposes, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, always good to have TP. One uh, one other uh, trick, I guess, is with your release, when you're done hunting or even when you're hunting, put it in the same spot every time in your pack. Yep. So, because that's one thing that I'm always cautious about is if I... If it's early morning, I don't have it on and I'm right. just, you know, locking wherever. And I'm always like, oh, do I have my release? Because I don't want to get a mile back. Right. And all of a sudden, oh, I don't worst. have my release or it fell on the ground or, you know, you lose it because right. then your hunt's done. Yep. So always put it in the same spot in your bow bay, in the same spot in your pack when you're, you know, walking in or walking out, mm-hmm. when you're tracking a deer so you know where it is Yep. at all times. Because uh, I know uh, Matt lost his one time. That's a weird feeling when you get into your stand and you don't have your release. So, mm-hmm. like when I first started bow hunting, I shot with fingers. So I'd have a, I'd have tabs. So just like a little leather tab for my three fingers. So if I lost that, it wasn't the end of the world. You can still shoot without a tab, but it does it definitely affects things when shooting with fingers. But a release, you're not gonna pinch your little d-loop with your fingers and draw your bow back and you certainly aren't going to shoot it with fingers and be anywhere yeah yeah yeah, in the same realm so that's a 
great tip. Put it in the same pocket. I always put mine right in my bowl case. Keep it right with my bowl. Yep. And I, I just have gotten in the habit personally of I'll just flat out put it on even in the morning. I know I'm walking in a mile. I don't need it on my wrist, but I'll just put it on because I know it's there ready to go. So Yeah, I just have like one of those cheap Walmart backpacks, yep. like Field and Stream or whatever it is, and it's got that up by the neck. It has a little pocket up there. Sure. So I'll open that up <clears> and I'll put my range finder. I'll put uh, my release in there, all of like the stuff I need to get to. Yep right there so i'm not digging in my bag nice another thing for prep is uh early season bow hunting have your stuff ready at home whether it's freezer paper ziploc bags anything you might need to butcher because if you shoot one at seven o'clock at night you get home and you got to work the next morning you might want to get that thing quartered up and get some stuff you know at least get the meat into the fridge or whatever Mm -hmm. um why deal with having to run to Walmart quick or run to Target at 10 at night after you track something? Like, try to have that stuff in your pantry, in your cabinet, so that you're basically ready to go if if success finds you. Well, especially so. now with uh, COVID going on. Yep. Walmart, they're not 24 hours anymore. Everybody closes at like 11 o'clock at night. Right. So, yeah, that that is a good tip. I need to do that, actually. Yeah. It, it sneaks up on you, right? So. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Believe, believe you're going to get yourself. one. So. But, uh. So going back on a couple things to prep for uh, is make sure you have like a plan on where you're going to hunt. Don't wake up at three o'clock open morning and say, well, I think I'm going to go here. Yep. Like drive where you're going to go. Not saying walk in the woods, but find out what, how long it takes to get from your house to wherever you're going. Find a place where, find the parking lot, uh, find you know, on act, look at the area if you haven't scouted where you possibly might want to hunt and make sure that when you buy your tag, uh, it, it's not super important, but make sure you have the right zone Yep. on your tag when you go in there and you say, I want a Minnesota bow hunting tag, archery tag. Well, archery, it doesn't matter, but with rifle, it certainly does. It does? Yeah. So, I'll well, it, go, it I'll... matters for your bonus tag. Right. Um, well, you said zone, so just to yeah. just to break it down, for rifle hunting, there's zones. There's 100, 200, and zone 300, I believe. Or, yeah, yeah, three, three and 600. Yep. So, anyways, for when we get into rifle hunting, that's that that's important. With archery hunting, it's this: you buy a Minnesota archery tag. What that gets you is it's a buck and a doe tag for the whole state. But then you break the state down into smaller areas, area 229 or 184, and that's where you have to watch it because you can shoot a doe anywhere in the state, one doe, anywhere in the state on your archery tag except for buck-only zones. Yep. And you, you, yeah, you can't – if it's a – it's a, for firearm season, there's lottery zones where you have to apply for a doe tag. Otherwise, it's bucks only. But for archery, you can shoot a deer in a lottery zone, a doe. With your archery tag, but that's your, that's your, if you shoot a doe in a lottery area, that your buck tag is gone. Yep. Cause it's your either sex tag that you have to use for that. So you can't use a bonus antlerless tag and for a doe in a lottery zone with your archery equipment. So just, just really understand how that works. So Minnesota, when you buy your tag, you can shoot a buck or doe regardless. Yep. Unless it's a buck only zone. Exactly. And, and, then- and again, there's a difference between a doe lottery zone, a lottery zone for rifle season, and a buck only zone. Yep. Because a buck only zone is literally a 
you can only shoot a buck. Yep. So, and like, uh, if you go to, I'll have uh, Scott post it with, with the, uh, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, but like Minnesota, it breaks it down into, looks like six different uh, deer permit area bag limits. It looks like the tan one, which is kind of like up by the northeast, mostly in Minnesota, is that's your buck only zone. Um, then you get your pretty much buck or doe. Otherwise, some of the more areas around the metro, uh, what is that, 701 now? It's like Hennepin County. Um, that's five deer. So yep. for people that like when you're going to buy your your tag you buy your regular tag your archery tag and then you can buy however many extra bonus antlerless tags so yep. buy at least one right away if not all of them i think they're 20 bucks a piece yeah 15 or 20 bucks fairly cheap so because it, it'll help you with the i want to wait on a buck or you know you don't want to use your buck tag for a yearling doe right so that that helps a lot where you can shoot that doe, you're you're legal and you still have your buck tag for right. you know around the rut time. And a lot of those areas like around just around the metro area, it's three deer and then there's some spots that are here and there that's two deer. Yep. So mostly you have a good chance of shooting more than one deer in Minnesota. And with it's kind of goofy with like the Minnesota archery rifle thing Mm -hmm. so if you have your regular archery tag and you shoot a deer with that that technically uses your rifle tag as well right but you can still go rifle hunting and go party hunting so if i for an example if i shoot a deer with my archery tag and then it comes to let's uh, just say you shoot a buck you shoot your main archery tag. okay so yeah i shoot a buck with my archery tag. Now it's November. You and I are going to go hunting. Rifle. Yep. Between the two of us, <clears throat> we can only use your tag. Correct. But I still have to buy a license for it. Yep. But I can't technically use that license. Right. It's just using your license. So you have two people shooting one deer. Yep. Versus just you going out by yourself. Yep. And, and just to make things nice and confusing, if you're in a intensive harvest zone... You can go out with your gun tag and shoot doles with bonus doe tags, mm-hmm. right? There's a there's a lot of back and forth you can do in these areas. Yeah, it's it took me a while to kind of figure it out, right? On what I can and can't do, right? And that and that goes for muzzleloader and rifle. Yep. So you you can go out every season, right? But you just might not be using your tag. So that's between you and your buddies, like. Oh, I already got a deer, right. so I don't need it. So I'll just help you shoot it, and you can take the meat. Yep. Or we'll split it, or whatever you guys decide to do. Yep. Have a plan in place beforehand. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why you should you should read the regs now. Don't wait until the day before gun season or the day of opener. You know what I mean? Yep. Get your plan in place now so that oh, I'm hunting in a in a one deer zone. That totally changes how I might fill my tag. Because let's say you're a rifle hunter that doesn't party hunt. It's just you up there. You know you want your tag for a buck up there. So you might be like, you know what? I ain't shooting a little buck with my bow. I, you know, I'll shoot a deer, use a bonus doe permit if I can in this area, but I'm just not going to fill my tag because I really want to gun hunt or whatever. So yep. 
just just know the strategy. Um, one thing, so a couple of things about early season, man, that I love about it is the weather's nice. It's usually very comfortable. This year in Minnesota, there's going to be very little bugs. Uh, I can tell you that based yep. on duck hunting. So it's going to be extremely comfortable out there. I go into early season a little bit more relaxed, like I'm just happy to get out, right? I mean, you're always trying and, and all that stuff. But, man, let's say you haven't read the rec- regulations front to back or there's a bunch of other research you haven't done yet. Download that stuff on your phone or bring the booklets out in the stand with you. Get out there at 3 in the afternoon and just start reading. You mm-hmm. might as well be out hunting and doing your research at the same time. Yep. I mean, September 18th, you got a long way until you hit rut. You got a long way until you hit your gun seasons. So, like, there's plenty of time to prep as a bow hunter for other seasons as well. So, just um, put that reading material in your pack. What else are you going to do when you're sitting out there, you know? Yep. So. Well, and that's where I can already see myself driving out, barely sleeping Friday night because right. I'm going to be so excited. Right. Listening to Fred Bear. Oh, yeah. Cranking in the truck on my way out there. Oh, Fred Bear. And Stranglehold. Yeah. Dang, <laughs> dang. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to listen to it on the way home for sure now. <laughs> but that's that's another thing is I kind of get like a, a playlist together of songs that are about like hunting. Right. Because, and I'll, I've been listening to them for the last couple of weeks. Right. Fred Bear is like number one. Yeah. And there's like a bunch of like other random ones that for sure. just get me going. For sure. And I, I've been waiting for this. Like yeah. I'm so excited for, I got, I cannot wait to shoot a deer with the Matthews. Yep. Like I've been practicing. Well, I haven't practiced this last week, but like up until then I was going before work. Right. I was going after work. And I feel more comfortable at 40, 50 yards now right. than I ever have. Going back a few episodes, are you glad you switched your sight? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I, did, it, I <laughs> did it that day. And then we went out and shot that morning, and it was night and day difference. Boom. Just like that. Um, quick side story to prepping and knowing all these nuances and mm-hmm. regulations. For instance, right now, it's, it's September 1st through October, I think it is, or middle of October. It's bear season in Minnesota, right? I hunt some public land north of my house. Had I known my regulations, I would have known that it was a no-quota bear zone. So I can literally buy an over-the-counter bear tag right here in Wright County. So, And I was out bow hunting, and I was hunting on the ground that night. Didn't have a ton of time. So I was just, oh, you know what? I'll just find a trail set up. And I uh, was sitting there, and all of a sudden I look over to my right, and at 30 yards is a black bear walking across the trail. And I was like, holy smokes, right there. And he he walks out um, at 30 yards. He's upwind to me. Um, I grab my video. I have my video camera with me, bust it out, and just get a little video of him, like, walking through the woods. Like, there he is. First time I ever saw. I think that was the first time I ever saw a black bear while, while bow hunting. And I was in some, some gnarly, darker portions of the woods. And I had heard about bears being up there, but never seen one. So, wow, bear goes by. And then uh, about 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, I look up. And here he is. He's coming right back for me. And when I say back, like, he's literally walking right to me. By the time I saw him, he was, like, it's thick. He's about 30 yards, 25 maybe in front of me. I'm like, holy smokes. And I'm just kneeling on the ground. And he's coming and he's coming. And I was like, okay, I, I let him see me. So I, I start moving around. And he, he stops at about, I don't know, 20-ish yards. He stops and he, he kind of, like, looks at me. And he his ears are up. He, lo- mm-hmm. he definitely looks curious, but it's a freaking black bear, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he starts walking closer. 
I'm not kidding you. That bear got to probably no closer than 10, but definitely got to 15 yards from me. And like, I'm standing up at this point and like, as I'm standing up, I thought he'd stop. No, he just, he's coming. He's coming. And I just start yelling, Hey, Hey bear. And he stops and puts his head up and just nonchalantly kind of turns broadside and looks at me and you know, he can't smell me. He's, he's still downwind yeah. or upwind of me. And then he just kind of like walks off, doesn't run off. Never looked back over his shoulder at me. Just turn around and walk straight away from me. And I didn't have video of it then. Obviously, he, he showed up. He was close and all that stuff. But I I left the woods early that night. <laughs> <laughs> so I left the woods while it was still fairly, like, still shooting time. And uh, I was all jacked. It was fun, but also spooky because I was on the ground, right? And uh, I get back to the truck and immediately start looking up like, holy smokes, man. Like, wonder what bear area this is for next year. And long story short, it was over the counter. I could have bought a $40 tag and I could have shot that bear on the ground with my bow. So not every year, but most years now, I'll just buy a bear tag because if I'm out there early season and one comes in, why not kill a bear with my bow in Minnesota? So look up the bear eggs because the season's during early bow. It overlaps with bow season here. And you might just have one come in. Dude. Do your research. You know, there's there's rules, you know, sows and cubs and all that stuff. So understand, like, we won't go into those nuances. But mm. do a little reading there. On day one in the stand, you might just want to buy If you're in a no-quota zone, which is a large portion of Minnesota, by the way. I mean, it's basically central Minnesota and south and a bunch of the western counties. And you hear all the time about those farmers out there seeing bears and stuff. So... I didn't know that. Yeah. You, I, yeah. So I'm just saying, if you got 40 bucks <clears> to spare, you might want to have a tag in your pocket for, for bear season. That's a really good idea because uh, I got the itch now for that. Yep. Because uh, on Labor Day weekend, we went up to uh, a cabin up around uh, like the outing area. Yep. We were sitting by the bonfire Sunday night and uh, we're just having a good time, having a couple beers. And then all of a sudden... Uh, Courtney's we're up at Courtney's dad's cabin and they're all we're all sitting there obviously and he gets a call and the the neighbor Jerry shot a bear nice and I'm like and he's just trying to be like nonchalant oh we got a bear and I'm just like bear let's go you got a bear <laughs> I'm like what? you need help like and he's like oh well, they'll call me back or whatever see if he needs help because he's got a side by side they call him back said yeah I need your side by side Literally the second he said they need my side by side, I ran to the truck, took my Crocs off, put my tennis shoes on, and I was in the side by side. I'm like, there's nice. no way you're leaving me here. Right. And he's he's sitting there, and as I'm walking back from the going back to the uh, running to the side by side, he's like, well, I guess I'll take Mac with. <laughs> so like, we get we get up there, and it's this this older guy. He's got to be in his sixties. He's like the town mechanic. Super nice guy. And they said they didn't want a big crowd. Sure. So his his place was probably two miles away. And we cut through the woods and he was showing me like it's this thick stuff. So we okay. get to his house and I shit you not, there is probably like six side by sides and four wheelers. Oh my gosh. Just <laughs> everyone just and they just keep coming in. And he's like, Oh man. And everyone's like, We're they're happy for you, Judge Jerry. Like, by his friends. We're like, yep. they want to help. So then he's like, well, do we have to track it? Or, you know, he's like, no, he's he dropped right there. Yep. He's using like a 300 short mag. Okay. And so we get, we're driving through this woods and the trees are 
just wide enough to get side by. I mean, oh, it's yeah. tight. It's thick. Yep. And all of a sudden, we get up to where his stand is. He points up, and then 40 yards over, you just see this big black object sitting on the ground. Oh, my and my heart's beating. I'm like, holy shit. It's right there. Like, I've never seen a or been this close like yep. to a bear. We walk up, and he's like, oh, it's just a small, you know, like 150-pounder. It's bigger than that, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I saw it the was pictures. Pro- yeah. I'll, I'll put the pictures up, but it was like a 200, 250-pound bear. Like, the head, and it was a male, the head on this thing. I was like, oh, my God. The paws, like, uh, they're bigger than my hand for sure. And, like, it was, just, it was so cool and surreal to be able to, like, touch the paws. And then the one guy, like... Uh, was like in his mouth, like looking yes. at his teeth, teeth. and to yep. see how big their teeth are. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Yep. Like, this is unreal. Like, and then. And they're out there walking around the woods. And he's like, oh, yeah, I had, you know, two other, two other little ones that were in, and this one kept chasing them off. Yep. And, and with it being a drought, there isn't a lot of uh, berries, and, and Scott's kind of covered that with yep. the boundary waters. So he just had like frosting and all his bait. And he said he's up on his hind legs, licking the tree, licking the oh, frosting. Yes. And the minute he got down, he said he turned perfect and just dropped him. Just oh, a perfect shot awesome. right behind the shoulder. Awesome. And it was just so cool because they were all sitting there and we got all these lights from the ATVs and they're gotten them. And, you know, there's like, he hasn't shot a bear in like. I don't know how long. Right. So he's like trying to remember like remember how, how to, to go and I'm like, it's it. just like a deer, right? And they're like, oh yeah. So like, it's literally got it just like a deer. Sure. And that was so cool. Like to see that whole thing and to lift that in the back of a ATV. Like oh, yeah. the whole time we're driving back to the woods, I'm, I keep looking back. Like, yep. There's a fucking bear back there. Yeah. Like there's right a there. bear in the back <laughs> of the, and I was just so excited. And that's why I'm like, I need to look into that. This, like you literally just answered my, what right. I've been completely forgot about yeah because i didn't know you could just go because it was only lottery up there everything yeah everything i've ever heard is oh i didn't draw my bear tag yeah. or you know this lottery that quota zone or but there's a huge portion of the state I'm like city of otsego you could shoot a bear i had no quota tag i had no idea that there was just over the counter yeah yeah you can you can bait you know there's rules to the baiting and how you register a site and all that stuff but you can do all that down here it's just no quota and you know the idea is it's not really sustainable down here in the metro area for bears, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, they're they're down here, but not in a sustainable way. So there's not, and and in the metro, you don't want bears. You just can't have them mixed with people like that. So it's oh, well, if you if you get lucky enough to have a random one show up, have at it. This, so uh, I'm gonna go buy a bear tag now. Yeah, it's forty bucks. Oh, another thing you said back to those bonus tags for for deer for yep. does a por- So when you buy a bonus antlerless tag. Minnesota does have a, a Hunters for the Hungry program. So uh, if you go on the DNR's website, you can find like basically what meat shops will take deer. Like, oh, I just want to donate this to the Hunters for uh, Hunters for the Hungry or whatever. Well, a portion of what pays for that is the bonus tags. So a portion of the bonus tags that you buy fund that program. So if you're into that kind of thing, even if you don't intend to fill more than one doe tag or one tag in general, you're supporting a good cause by buying that tag. It's fairly cheap. So nice. Yeah, keep that in mind. Cool. So to get back on more, uh, we'll we'll talk the meat and animal handling. Like you covered a little bit of it um with the warm weather and the early season of bow. Yep. Uh 
you so say you shoot a deer hypothetical you shoot a deer it is a good shot it runs off you call your buddy you haven't tracked it yet Mm -hmm. you go on track and you keep going you keep going maybe maybe it's not as good of a shot do you keep going or do you pull back wait a little bit sure um like because everyone always hears when in doubt back out right 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 what do you do when it comes to it's going to be humid, hot, it's 90 degree day, it's right. only going to get to like 70 at night. Yep. What what would you what would you do? Okay, so let's say it's a lot of generalities here. Every yeah. every scenario is yep. different, but uh I'll I'll, st- I'll start with this. When I when I make the shot, trust your instinct on what what you think your hit was. Right? Sometimes you see it pretty clearly. Sometimes you don't. Um but if you think you saw it pretty clearly, if it looked like a good shot, trust that instinct right off the bat, right? Then you go by the blood that you're finding, of course. Just because you're not finding a lot of blood doesn't mean it was a bad shot. Okay, a lot of crazy things happen. And so then if you start to doubt things, you need to you need to pause and assess. So let's say it's you're tracking it's an hour after shooting time at this point. It's 80, it's almost 80 degrees or it's 75 degrees still, and it's not going to cool down to much lower than 70 degrees overnight. I'm telling you right now, if you wait eight hours to track the animal, you're going to start having spoilage, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, are you going to lose a bunch of the meat to spoilage, but find the deer the next morning? Or are you going to risk bumping it and not finding it all? And then the deer's wasted because... Nobody ever finds it. Either way, you're wasting a bunch of the animal at some at some point when you're talking temps that warm, right? So kind of weigh it back and forth. If you know you saw that thing hit the thing in the guts and you're not finding much of any kind of decent blood in that first 50, 60 yards, then you might be able to say, you know what? It's going to get light enough to track at 6 in the morning. We'll just hang, hang back. Or I guess we're going to wait four hours and yeah. come back in here at midnight. That makes a huge difference. Yep. Go back in there at midnight. Don't expect to go get your eight hours of sleep. That you know you have to you have to like do what is necessary. And if that means coming back out at one in the morning so you can get it gutted a half hour after it finally died, then that's what you got to do. There's no law that says you can't come back out there at one in the morning. All these all these videos we watch that say when and don't back out. Well, it's funny they always they always back out just long enough to come back when it's light enough to film. Yeah. So. They won't admit it, but a lot of it is that crap. When you're watching people shoot 180-inch deer, they're a lot more patient. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but when you watch these hunting videos, and I love them, like there's like the Drury's and, and Lee and Tiffany and all those guys, like they put on a good product. But at the same time, you've seen them shoot does, right? Yeah. Weird. You've never seen them. You've never seen them wait till the next morning to go find a doe. Yeah. Have you? Right? No. Yeah. No. You just never seen it. So their mentality changes because it's a trophy animal they don't want to lose because that would hurt a lot more. Right? So don't don't fall into that trap where you convince yourself to wait to the next morning and you didn't have to because you could risk, you know, wasting meat. So back up. It's gonna be warm. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find the deer. If I've gone seventy yards or something like that 70 80 yards and i found where the deer's bed and then got back up then i might just say you know what wasn't as much blood up to this point there's not a ton of blood in the bed i'm just gonna back up i thought it was a good shot but i'm gonna wait another hour you know Mm -hmm. wait wait another hour that can make a huge dip you know 
even if it's a poor shot, that deer's going to be a lot weaker. So, and then get back on the trail. And then after, so after you find it, yeah, I usually call a whole brigade. Sure. Like I, I call just about all my buddies, anybody I can to come because, you know, two people, like four people is better than two people. Having eight sets of eyes out there is better than, you know, having four. So I, w- I w- yeah, yeah. As long as they're not running. Right. You know, like. No, yeah, know who you're calling because yeah. I think the worst thing you can do is just start, oh, it ran this way. Everybody start looking. Yeah. Like I think it's really important to look for blood. Because that can tell you a lot of the story. Yep. And I've been with way too many guys that like, so here's the other thing. <laughs> here's the other thing, guys. If you're going out to help your buddy track, it's your buddy's deer. It's your buddy's trail. You you do what he wants you to do for tracking that animal. So, Mac, if you shoot a deer, we're all looking for blood, of course, right? But there's no reason in that first 10 minutes you shouldn't be the first one in line. Yep. Like, we're there to help you. If you can't find the blood, then we'll start fanning out. You know, and, and helping you out. I've been with too many guys who are like, I'm, I've shot a deer. I've called them up and I'm on the blood trail. I'm doing my toilet paper mark. I'd rather take it slow and steady and be successful. And they're freaking 30 and 40 year, yards out ahead of me, just speed walking. I'm like, you could bump a deer. You could be trampling over the little bit of blood we might hopefully yep. find. So like you're out there to help. You're not out there to do it all. And like. It's fun to be the guy that finds the deer, but it's also fun to just be there when your buddy finds his deer. So yeah, try, try not to be too overzealous, especially if it's a trickier blood trail, you know? Yeah. So. And then, uh, so one thing that I've, I've always done is in the, in the early season like this, when it's warm out, is you would think you find the deer, you got it, you bring it to the truck. Yep. Right. You would think I need to take this hide off to cool it down. Yeah, so I think you and I are going to disagree with this strategy. Really? But I don't. But I don't know if I'm right. So, like, my dad always being a meat guy, mm-hmm. he always said just go to the gas station, buy two, three things of um, twenty pound bags of ice, and just stuff that cavity with the hide on. Sure. And I because he said it'll it'll insulate it. Mm-hmm. to keep the rest of it cold sure as you're cooling it off from the inside there it, it, it'll it, yeah but sure. i can see where you're saying take that hide off you know um put ice in there rinse it out get it cold mm-hmm. so i i don't know yeah I don't, I don't like i said i i've i've always been the get the hide off strategy guy right but i don't know if that's right because generally speaking a lot of the get the hide off is that intermittent temperature stuff, mm-hmm. right? Where a big thing that happens like when it's cold out even is hide and super thick fat layers will in, in, uh, insulate the opposite way and um, you'll get spoilage up by the hide, right? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I don't know. It's just a different strategy. I've never been to pack my cavity full of ice. I've never been in a scenario where I wasn't yeah. able to like get it home, basically get it broken up and butchered. Yep. fairly soon so i i'm just not i'm not knowledgeable with that strategy to know if it's the right way to go but your dad's a butcher well yeah and you, you guys have never had spoiled animals right no so. but like i like thinking about it like i can see the having the hide on and packing it full ice because like we always i've never shot a deer brought it home 
butchered it right then there. Right. Like, I've always wanted to, so I can cut the back straps off, throw them on the grill for the guys that, you know, help me. Yep. Um, but, like, I can see if it's going to sit overnight. Like, if you pull that hide off, I feel like that layer up top mm-hmm. would stay warm. Sure. Just in, like, a garage. Sure. And then with packing with ice, I could see how it would insulate it to stay cold all the way through. Right. Right. But I don't know if there's a wrong Yeah. They wrong probably answer. both work just fine. And, again, you're not talking about packing it with ice, leaving it for three days. No. You it's, know what I mean? You're just trying to get an initial cool down of stuff, which it, it sounds like a strategy that's probably just fine. I just don't have much experience with leaving the hide on and. Because, again, normally within a few hours, I'm going to get the hide off and quarter it or whatever. Yep. So. Do you do you rinse yours, your deer out with, like, a garden hose? I almost never do. You know, like, so, yeah, I almost never do, right? I go in there and I get the, the, the tenderloins out and stuff like that. There's not much in the cavity I'm worried about having debris on it. Mm-hmm. Um, other, and then, like, the inner thighs, they always dry out. I'm always taking off that, that dried out layer of meat on the surface anyways, that might've gotten contaminants on it. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a bigger fan of letting that surface crust over or dry. And then I'm, I'm going to be handling it and butchering it and then shaving that off before I wrap it. Or if it's fairly clean, I'll just leave it on there and then shave it off before I cook it. Yep. You know, when I thaw the meat back out. So early on I was told, Oh, you can't rinse it out. You'll create more bacteria, but no, like, I mean, yeah, if you run, if you're splashing freaking dirty pond water up in there, it's probably yeah. not great. But if you're talking a garden holes from a well or city water supply, I think it, there's nothing wrong with doing it, right? One big thing is if you're breaking down meat and putting it in a cooler, don't put it in ice water because it'll soak up that water. It mm-hmm. makes for a funky texture and a funky meat, right? So always have it on ice or wrapped in ice. But if you put it in ice, have it wrapped in something where it's not being saturated and wet. Yep. All the time. So that's that's the only that's the only thing with at you know, washing it or getting water on it I'd be worried about. Do so. you uh so some people do it differently. Do you hang it in your garage from the hind legs or the neck? Uh we always used to hang it from the neck, right? Yeah. Just the blood runs out of the cavity, it's all great and fine and dandy. And most of the deer we shot for quite a while that we're not going to get to for a couple of days is, is gun season, mm-hmm. right? Shoot it up North. It's a day or two before we get it back home and all that stuff. So, um, the blood draining out's not really a factor after a couple of days of sitting in a trailer or whatever yep. happens there. Um, but I find I, it's a lot easier to butcher the deer if it's hanging head down. Yeah. So, and like we always, uh, have hung ours from the hind legs because, We've always been told, mm-hmm. like, you, you've gutted the deer, right? Yep. Where's most of the blood? Like, you know, we're going to, I shot one tonight. Yep. We're going to do it tomorrow. We're going to cut it up tomorrow. Well, most of the blood is still kind of in that head area. Sure. Yeah. Up so in that, the shoulders. So they neck. say, why hang it from the head where it's going to drip all the way back down into the cavity? Sure. Why not just hang it from the hind legs so it doesn't have that far to go? Sure. And then enough. you're not, you know, getting it all over, dealing with more blood than you need to. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And a lot of guys will bleed them, you know, cut mm-hmm. the throats and and uh, or cut the whole head off once you got it back home in the garage and stuff like that. But um, I f- it's definitely easier to butcher upside down. Um, I haven't noticed much of a difference with like blood or yep. or the meat quality hanging it upside down versus neck first. But I like hanging them upside down just because it's, it, it's, it's a lot, lot easier, easier to work on. Yeah. So for sure. 
for sure. You just pull that hide all the way down to the as far as you can get it because yep. I did the neck roast thing. Mm-hmm. So I I I, uh, I brought it all the way down to like the jawbone. Yep. And then I just cut the head off of the sawzall there. Right. And then I was able to get that. Right. And when you hang it the other way, you got to take the hide off. So you're cutting around. We'd always cut around the neck and you'd get so much fur right away. You know, loose fur that would stick to the neck roast and stuff like that as you're pulling down the hide. Doing it the opposite way, it just seems like a much cleaner way to do it. So that's nice. Um, So let's say you shoot one, you get back at 11 o'clock at night. It's warm that night. Get it in your garage. Airflow is important. So just Mm -hmm. turning on some fans in, in the garage would help a lot. I've shot multiple deer and not cut them up to the next day when the low when the low that night's only sixty. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's doable. I usually still try to get the hide off. The good thing is early season deer, there's not a lot of fat built up, and the hide's usually pretty thin. Yep. A lot of time their fur is short, so there's it's it is still very doable, right? The biggest thing is getting it hung up because if if you leave it laying flat on your garage floor, that's bad. I guarantee at sixty five degrees you'll have some type of spoilage happening. You know, some type of it, at least, sitting if you just laid on the ground all night on a garage floor. Yep. Getting it hung up and getting airflow around that thing makes a huge difference. Well, and they so, always put something in, like, the rib cage, open it up. Yeah, open that, up the rib cage. I'd say that's almost the mo- one of the most important thing is that's where all the heat is. Mm-hmm. So, they have uh, – some companies make, like, a thing that it, like, Designs folds in spread. half, and then it, you put it on the ribs, and it yep. opens. Otherwise, we usually just find, like, a stick. Yeah, snap a stick off yeah. and wedge that in there. And then – if you got the time and energy, quarter it up and throw it in your fridge overnight. You don't have to do your fine trimming until the next day, but mm-hmm. you can at least cool it off in the fridge or, you know, stuff like that. We The reason why we never do it the night of is because everyone's super excited. Just sure. people that come over to the to your house, drink some beer, talk about how you shot it, tell stories about, oh, well, you yep, know, this happened, reminiscing. That happened, and and that's, yep. that's my favorite. That's, that is my favorite thing about so hunting. Fun. So much fun, right? And uh, one more thing that if... Uh, one last thing is when you're cleaning your deer and you're you're taking the hide off, go get a butane torch or something so that you're pulling that off. You get some of that hair residue on there. You just take that torch and just go over quickly and just burn that hair off. Really? I've yeah. never, oh, never that's tried what that. We always do that. Never tried that. Yeah, you, you pull it. You, you'll pull the hide off yep. and you always get hair yeah, on hair. the meat. You just take a butane torch and just, just quickly. A, yeah, quick. A quick make, and it just, I suppose it just, it just turns it. Up. Yeah, 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 it turns into ash and blows yep. off the meat. Yeah. Way easier than like trying to pick, pick off it off hairs. when you're trying, you know, to, to pack it away. Right. And yeah, we always just take a little torch and just. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and you're not cooking any meat. Nope. It's got, you've still, you haven't. Yeah. So, oh, I'm going to have to try that. That's a pretty slick tip. I'll have to try that. Yeah, it works really well. Sweet. We, we've done it when. We haven't had a torch, yep. and when we have had one, and it, my dad's like, whenever, because he always cuts the deer up, and then we do, like, he'll cut the back straps, cut everything up when it's hanging. Yep. We'll just take the hide off, and he's always like, you got knives? Yeah. You got a torch? Make sure you got a torch, because I don't want to deal with, because you, you, know, you, <laughs> you get it on your gloves and everything and else, go, yeah, it and it just gets into the meat, and you can just take that, and funny. You don't have to worry yeah, about it. Yeah, never, never use that strategy. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know. I thought you were there. I suppose you've never been there when we've butchered. No. Nope. Okay. Well. You got to butcher for dad. I don't need to be there. <laughs> no. it, it takes. <laughs> you guys go fast. Yeah. Like talk. It, yeah. It's like a half hour maybe. That's he just sweet. throws all the roasts. He's like, how many roasts do you want? How many steaks do you want? And he just cuts it all up. 
you put them on the table. It's like, don't touch these. I'll, I'll butterfly these or yep. I'll cut this. Here's your roast and and all nice. this all this stuff. And we'll hopefully I'll be lucky enough for I'll get a deer this year and we'll we'll tape it. Sure. And he can go through. Because he's told us, he's like, you guys got to learn how to do this. So when I die, you could. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Because he's always, every year, he goes through the, this is where your roasts are. This is where this cut is. This yep. is, you know, your back straps. Follow this. And, that is and sweet. I've, I've done it by myself one time. Mm-hmm. Didn't do it as good of a job. Like, Well, no, it takes repetition but, on your on your own. But, but I, at no point did I feel uncomfortable doing sure. it. Um, I really... I enjoy butchering deer. Yeah, it's, it, it can be a fun process. Yeah, it's have your knives sharp, have your stuff prepped, and it's not that oh, bad. And that's another thing we do. Uh, we just go to like Menards and buy buckets, mm-hmm. and then we'll just take like a non-scented garbage bag. Okay. Okay. So you have two buckets. Yep. One is for your your good meat. Yep. And the other is for like your garbage. Okay. So we'll just throw them in that bucket, and then. I'll take that bucket of good meat in the garbage bag and I'll just put it in the freezer. Okay. Take leave the top off because it may still be warm and it might not get to the middle. Sure. So you leave the top off and then I'll go back in there, say two weeks later, and I'll, you know, throw the top back on. It should be all cooled. Yep. And then when I go to uh wherever to process it, I can just put my tag in there, grab that bucket, give oh, it sweet. to them. They take the top off. They got your tag sitting up top. They got the meat sitting there. They'll take it out, put it in a um, scale. Yep. And then off you go. Cool. And then you got another bucket around for, you know, you always need buckets. Right. And they're cheap. It's like $2 or $3 for a bucket at Menards. And yeah, get exactly. The cover and so, slick, slick tip there. I like that. Yeah, it works. I've My grandpa's had the problem where he put the cover on too fast. Sure. And it holds some heat in there. It, and in the middle, it was rotten. Really? Yeah. Because it, it, you know, the bucket. You got to cool it off. Yeah. So I'll usually just, I won't even tie the bag. I'll just no. leave it open. Yeah. So flat. Uh, yeah. So it's like almost like you, like a garbage, like you're going to, a garbage, you know, you, you wrap it around the outside of the bucket. Yep. Just Walk set it, it in, there, in there. Let it sit for a couple of weeks. Then I'll throw it on. Sit for a couple of weeks? Yeah. To make sure it's good frozen before I put the cover on. Oh, oh, frozen. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, not like, in the freezer for a yes. couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, okay. not just leave like, it outside. <laughs> no, no, I'll put it in the freezer just to make sure it's frozen. Then yes. I'll throw my tag and everything in there and right. hold it up because I usually, <clears throat> I usually wait a little bit till like after deer season. Um, unless I get it early, like September, I'll right. bring it in right away. But if you're talking gun season, they're just mixing everybody's stuff exactly. Together. I want my deer back, so if it's in October or whatever, I want to make sure I'm getting mine back. So I'll, I'll bring yep. it in. And, like it's not going to hurt it being in the freezer for a month or two nope so I'd, i'll bring it in in like february yeah it's a good way to do it good way to do it because i've heard horror stories about well yeah you get me and gene bringing in rotten chunks of meat exactly that, you know what i mean so yeah. Yeah. or people that shoot a deer and they don't even gut it and they just bring it to the butcher right we were out in uh wyoming antelope hunting and we, we took the antelope to a, a butcher shop and as we're there there's people constantly coming in guides coming in with oh their clients mule deer and mm-hmm. this the guy rolls in with a cow elk, and I'm not kidding you. There's a there's a hole cut in her like groin area, probably about well, I don't know, 18 inches long, something like that, and that's it. She's her her pelvis isn't split. She's not scun. She's not even cut up her sternum. 
or even the full length of her belly. I, I don't know what this guy would have gotten out of that animal with that little hole. And they drag it out of the truck and this hack gets back and this, you know, goes over, fills those paperwork, gets in the truck and, and all the, butcher, you know, they got a crew of guys like hanging the animals, you know, getting mm-hmm. the paperwork started, all that stuff. Like as soon as the guy leaves, I, I look over at the butcher guy like, what do you think that thing's going to be like? He goes, I'll be lucky to get 60 pounds of meat off that freaking thing. Like, you know, the guy had shot it days before up in the mountains with his hunting group and what a waste of an animal, you know? Make sure you're field dressing it right and cooling that thing off, man. You talk yeah. about irritating and looking bad on hunters, people that do stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know what like the. It seems like there'd be something that butcher should do. Like, hey, get the DNR officer out here and be like, I think you need to find this guy. He completely yeah. wasted this animal by not want talk about wanton waste. You know what I mean? Like, well, isn't it like part of the rules? Yes, to yes. gut it like right away. To do everything possible yeah. to not waste it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just do it right, man. Do your research now. Another th- quick thing to think about is where are you going to go with your carcass? Mm-hmm. With the CWD stuff, you can't – number one, you can't dump deer carcasses on public land. Yep. You can't go dump it on state forest, wildlife management areas. You can't – you can't, uh, you know, na- national lands or federal lands. You need to dump it on private properties or, or get rid of it in the dumpster and the landfill, stuff like that. So have a plan ready. If your dumpster is big enough for a rib cage or not, if you're going to have to cut it up, or if you just know somebody that likes watching birds, eagles and crows and all that stuff, love picking on cavities, go dump it on private property with permission. Yeah, or if and, they get someone, usually someone coyote hunts. Yeah. You go, yes. You go take it to a farmer that maybe they has someone that's coming to hunt coyotes. Yep. And... um. You know, with the CWD stuff and the saliva and the head and brain matter, it might be a good idea to, you know, do everything legally, but maybe you just wrap your head up in a couple of garbage bags and throw that in the dumpster mm-hmm. and the rest of the carcass you take somewhere, yep. you know, just to lessen the chance of, of an issue there. So. Yeah. Going back on the CWD, uh, the DNR also has a map of the areas in Minnesota. Yep. Uh, like you said, read the book. Make sure you know what to do. I'll tell you guys kind of here. It looks like there's an area up in northern Minnesota, uh, area 604, which looks like it's just north of Brainerd in the Crosby area. If you're hunting up there, maybe check into that. Otherwise, uh, 605 is another one, which is just south of the cities. Looks like Lonsdale, uh, Northfield, Faribault, and... uh, that's another area. Otherwise, the big one that has always been around is that southeast chunk right. of Minnesota, which is areas uh, 655, 647, 648, 649, 646, 645. And that's that just that bottom right chunk of Minnesota, Stuartville, all there. And then, like, around those areas, there's also, like, watch control areas so just make sure you guys are being cautious of of the cwd it seems like the last couple years they've really been you know trying to i I understand they're trying to crack down on it but if you shoot a deer you have to go get it tested just go get it tested well in certain areas yeah like not yeah so look at the map and see if you're in a control area management or surveillance because if you're in management during gun season, you're required to go get it tested. Yep. If you shoot a deer in those management areas, I think the surveillance is voluntary, but um, 
yeah, just make sure you're doing it right and taking it in if you have to. Yeah, I know uh, in the Metro here, we for the last, this is the, the only year out of the last two years for sure that we're not, we used to, we, we were a big CWD yes. um, watch Comes. area. Yep. And you have to, it's it's super easy. You go, you, you shoot your deer, you take it in. All they do is they cut the um, lymph nodes out of the neck yep. if it's like a doe. And they send it to somewhere, they test it, and if it's positive, they'll they'll call you back and say it's positive. Otherwise, if you don't hear from them, and I usually, you should be able to hear within, like, I'm guessing a couple weeks. Sure. So, that again, that's where your, your meat just sits in the freezer. Make sure if it's been a month and month and a half and you haven't heard from them, you're probably fine. Yeah, you're probably fine. But either way, like you've, you've, you've said before, is you can still eat the meat. Yeah. You can still eat them. Yeah. Meat. There's no science to indicate there's any negative effects on human beings at this yep. point. It just kind of seems weird. <laughs> so right. Just to, I personally, I wouldn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll go get it tested and be like, if it's positive, you keep your data. Yeah. But don't tell me because otherwise the whole time I'm eating this deer, I'm like, am I going to die tomorrow? I'm going <laughs> to wake up like a zombie. <laughs> like I'd, I'd, I'd rather just not know. Oh, my <laughs> CWD's acting up today. Gotta... <laughs> so. Uh, all right, well, real, real quick and brief. Um, when should you hunt? Mornings or evenings? So I've I've always been told don't hunt mornings early season. For that chance, you might bump a big buck. Sure, that's you know on the way to the bedding area. Always hunt the evenings early yep. season, but I've also heard early bird gets the worm you get out there you're excited you know where you're going you've done your research if you can shoot at six maybe head out at four four thirty get to your spot so you have time to watch a lot of people like going in the mornings because they get to see uh the woods come alive yeah, come i alive guess and, yep um which i've done that which is really cool but for me i like to hunt evenings just because I like to see where I'm going. Right. Like, I don't like having a, a headlamp on and I get sketched out very fa- easily. Sure. <laughs> um, so, I'll get comfortable. And, like, when it comes to, you know, the mid-October type area, then I'll start hunting mornings. Sure. But I, I, I like to head out, take my time, not make noise, know where I'm going, but also looking because at any point in time, a deer could pop out. Sure. So yep. I, I like that approach to it, kind of feel like an old, yep. you know, like your spot and stock kind of thing. Right. But I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. It's kind of all preference. I, I like to do that and go slow and, and kind of always looking. Plus, if there's a hunter, if I can see a hunter in the distance, right. then I know, you know, okay, I'm going to go this way around him, not sure. to, try not to disturb him. His area. Because there, yep. there's nothing more frustrating than you, you're, you've you been out there in the morning at 3.30 and all of a sudden it's... And someone's walking through yeah. an hour or a half hour before. Right. You know, right. And it's like, it, it, it probably isn't going to affect it that much. Right. But it's still that. The things, yeah, I think, you know, we're so wired from the media that we see in trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, I think before you make the decision morning and evening hunt, decide what, what kind of hunter are you and what are you really going for? If you're going for a mature buck that you've been scouting all season with trail cams and stuff like that, that completely changes the strategy. If you're a meat hunter and just want to go out and deer hunt and, you know, 
fill your tag, mm-hmm. go out yep. anytime you got time. You well, know what I mean? Well, so, there's, there's always preferences with bulls. I mean, like if you go early in the morning, the temperature's good. Temperature's good. It's, you're having rising temps, so your yeah. your scent control in a lot of ways might be a little easier than when it's cooling and the thermals are pulling it down to the ground and yep. stuff like that. So there, there's benefits to hunting morning, but it is trickier for sure as far as getting in quiet and silent and all that stuff. Um, I like to do a lot of still hunting and walking on the ground. And so what I like is in the morning I can still hunt. I, you know, I get there and I'll just still hunt as the sun's coming up. I kind of use it as a way to scout Yep. at the same time. I'm still out there hunting. I just didn't drag in the deer stand three hours prior and stuff like that. So maybe if you're going to go scout a new area, you do a little still hunting in the morning. You're still out there hunting, but you're kind of on a search and, and learn mission at the same time, you know? Yeah. And, like mornings offer, like we said, a, a way more comfortable sit. Yeah. Because like you're not, you get out there and you're not sweating. You don't have the sun beating on you. Right. Um, in a year where the bugs are bad, you may have some bugs, but you got like your thermocell, which I, they're huge. Like, yeah. They work nice. so well. Um, then, and then you're just, you know, you're, you're leaving at, you can leave at 10 o'clock or say if you have kids, you can head out super early. And still get back in time yep. for a late brunch or yeah, breakfast exactly. with your family. Exactly. Uh, or if you get one, if you get a hit, you can go home and get the, like, call the wife and say, hey, bring out the four-year-old. Yep. We'll track this doe or we'll track this buck. So there's a lot of fun to be had in the morning yeah. hunts for sure. I, I definitely wouldn't discourage morning hunting unless you, if you're really dialed in on a specific animal and you know his patterns, he's not moving in the morning or um, something like that, mm-hmm. then yeah, just stay out of there and, and find fine tune when you're going. But when you're talking public land hunting and if you're not really dead set on getting a specific buck that you have patterned, then you're just kind of going out there blind either way, right? Yep. Like you don't know what they're like. If you're, if you're not dialed in with preseason scouting, <clears throat> then I would just go out both. Yeah, Maybe you'll see more deer in the morning versus the evening. It all depends on the area. So for, uh, I would say for people that if this is going to be your first opener, I would say personally probably wait till the afternoon. Sure. Yep. Just just so that you're kind of in tune with what is going on. Yeah. And then I'd say go out for a couple sits or, or stocks or whatever. Get that practice hanging your stand in the yep. light. And then then go out in the morning. Like, so you, you feel comfortable. It's all about, and that's like, it's all about being comfortable. And I've done it shooting. And that's why we everyone preaches shoot your bow. Yep. Is I've pulled up at the archery range, and I don't feel for some reason the shot just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Right. And I'll still shoot, and it's way off. Yep. So it's it's almost like uh, a, a d- different analogy is when you're going golfing and you're up at the drive, you're at the tee box, and you just it doesn't uh, yeah it doesn't feel right. So you, you step back, reset. And you hit a good shot. Right. Kind of similar with, with archery is if that shot doesn't feel right, for me, I wouldn't take it. Just because right. I, I don't want to oh, have the, it's, it's so hard not to take it. Yeah. Like, well, and it and there's so many different things. Like you're course. shaking, your adrenaline most of the time when you're hunting. Yep. That's not going through your mind. You're zoned in on like what you write, pick a hair. Right. You know, aim small, miss small. Don't look if if there's a buck. I'm going to say, right, like we were talking earlier, Bill with the Bill Jordan story. Yes. Don't look at the rack. Yep. Pretend it's a, a fawn yep. or a doe. Just look at that back shoulder. 
don't look at the rack because then that's where you get the buck fever and you know all yep. that. So just <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell that story. Oh, so, so I, yeah, I was, <laughs> we were talking before the podcast about hunting shows, and you know, you had one on the TV when I walked in that was like, oh, this one's this is an old episode or whatever. Yeah. Well, back in the day, I was watching Real Tree Outdoors on a Saturday morning, and Bill Jordan. Bill Jordan, Real Tree Outdoors, he was hunting and he had this big non typical whitetail coming in. He was hunting out west somewhere, but it was a whitetail. Big non typical whitetail comes in. He's all comes breathing heavy, draws back, and he shoots and the freaking arrow bounces off the deer's antlers. <laughs> I mean ding, right out to its antlers and the deer runs off. And you know, I'd watched this guy shoot a lot of deer on video mm-hmm. before and he's huffing about like, I don't know what happened. And then at some point during the post interview, he makes a comment like, honestly, I think I just hit where I was actually looking. Like he was staring at the animal. He yep. couldn't believe the animal, you know? So <laughs> super, super funny. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't just shoot the thing in that forehead. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, that. Oh, by the way. So one of the best, like when you're talking early th- season strategies. Yep. Especially if you're an early bull hunter, right? Even if you're willing to shoot the first deer that comes in, don't hesitate to set up in areas where you might just be watching deer 100 yards away mm-hmm. because you'll still get excited when you see a deer from your stand. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the more deer you lay your eyes on in person, it it will help some of that jitters and excitement when one finally is in range or when you know it's one you're going to shoot. So, just try to get out there in the woods and, and see deer. Again, the still hunting option, it's a lot harder to get within bull range. But you'll see deer, not necessarily spooking deer. You'll just see them 100 yards ahead, and it, it'll still create that excitement and that basically practice for when it is the moment of truth. So, Yeah, I um, I really like that aspect yep. of, of looking at – well, just watching. I It's just fun to watch them. Like this early in the year, you get a doe comes in with two fawns. Yeah. And they're – you know, you're not going to shoot them. So you're just relaxing your stand, say they're at 30 yards. Yep. And to watch, watch those yep. little fawns run around mm-hmm. and piss mama off oh, yeah. and tackle. It's like watching two puppies. Yep. It is so fun to watch. And you just like, you just start laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to get back on the Bill Jordan where he shot that rack, do not get mad that you miss a deer. It's, yeah it's so hard like i've missed them to replay it replay it replay it in your mind and you get so mad at yourself but at the end of the day it's just a learning experience you right you rush the shot you move too much it saw you and you, you still tried to shoot the arrow and it ducked it and it was a too far of a shot mm-hmm. and just be comfortable with your range on where you want to shoot so i'll go out in the woods this year I'm going to try the, the still spot and stock hunting and yep. I'm not going to shoot anything over 40 yards. Yep. The last two years hunting on private land, I wasn't going to shoot anything over 30 yards. Sure. Just because I don't want to make a bad shot that yep. I'm going to regret. Yeah. It's good to have that standard before the scenario. And I, and it's, and it's so hard to like, you can say that right now. And then all of a sudden a 180 deer or whatever, yep. uh, for me, a 110, right. just any buck comes in and it's at 50. <laughs> I can lob at 80 yards. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so hard to not get excited, but you just have to stick to that because if, like I said, if you make a bad shot and you don't find it, you're going to be kicking yourself worse than if you would just waited another 
15 yes. hour, however long, or it might wrap around and give you a 15 right. yard shot. Right. Exactly. You don't, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what they're thinking. Just, it's all about patience. Yep. And I'm not a patient guy, I, but it, it's very humbling to go out there and, and hunt these animals. Yep. And the being able to, just that you have to slow everything down and go through your mechanics. And the it, practice comes into it, play at that point. And when you shoot that doe or buck, it makes you have the biggest smile on your face where oh, yeah. it's it's so worth it all the hard right. work all the the sits and everything we're not seeing a deer and getting frustrated at all none of that matters nope exactly so just hang it up and have the boys come over oh yeah a couple quick things so minnesota when you archery hunt you don't have to wear a blaze orange but during gun season you do so yep. if you're hunting during gun season you have to wear a blaze orange and one tricky thing that gets a lot of guys is october 1st 20, I'm, I'm sorry october 21st through the 24th is early antlerless gun season and youth gun season. You have to wear blaze orange if you're bow, bow yep. hunting during that season. So just keep those dates in mind. I haven't heard of anybody getting tagged or yelled at, but there are guys out there with guns yep. hunting deer, so it might be good to have blaze orange on that week if uh, if you're out there. And then um, know your regulations. Read up in the, in the, in the Minnesota regulations in, towards the back of the book. Uh, it talks about WMAs, wildlife management areas, waterfowl production areas, state forest. There's different rules on if you can hang a stand early, leave it in the woods overnight and all that stuff. Uh, wildlife management areas, you can't leave anything overnight. Nope. You have to pack it in, take it out that same day. Uh, you also can't use screw and tree pegs and stuff like that. It has to be all stuff that does not permanently harm the tree. State forest gets a little different. They encourage you to use stands that don't, but you technically and uh, you technically can build stands out on state forest, but it's public property so anyone can hunt it yeah if so, someone beats yeah you. Yep. exactly so if you're out on state forest and you see a wooden stand up in the tree technically that people can do that but you can take it you can hunt from it and all that stuff but they encourage you not to use those methods yep. so as of right now so understand the nuances between certain types of land what you can and can't do for really use all that stuff because uh if you know it before you go out then when you let an arrow fly you know exactly how you can approach getting the thing out of there and whatnot so yeah this is uh for anyone if you have questions just reach out on facebook instagram mm -hmm. um i think we have an email at uh it's questions or info at borderoutdoors.com scott gets those he'll send them over to us um just make sure you just have a good time you enjoy everything and uh, we'll cover a couple more things kind of later in the season on maybe how to fill your tag uh, or reasons why you haven't yet. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of wanted to set the tone for this year. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Yep. It's it's my favorite time of year. It's like it's like a holiday. It's like yes. Christmas to me. I from September 18th to December 31st. It's I always have a smile on my face. Yep. And come the end of December, you're going to wish you had gone out more. So try mm -hmm. not try to take advantage of the season now. I'm on call for opening weekend, which is a bummer. But it's I'm not on call anymore after this weekend in theory. So I'm looking forward to this hunting season. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. A um, couple last minute things. This this will air on September 14th, but today is September 11th. So quick shout out back to two, 2000. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, September 11th. Uh, 
that uh, was a crazy day. So everybody's going to be pretty much done reflecting, but this is the 20-year anniversary. So um, a lot of you people listening might not have been around for that at this point. <laughs> yep. So I was in fourth grade. Yep. I was nine years old when that happened. Yep. So the, the people that went down that day, the heroes, the victims, the people that have gone down fighting for freedom and fighting for it, revenge, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. A lot of people have lost their lives, and I don't care what you hear on the media. It's still the greatest country in the world, and a lot of people have sacrificed so that we can have silly little podcasts and go out hunting and yep. read our regulations and argue about DNR screwing things up. And We're very fortunate. It's easy to forget. The one thing about 9-11 was that it was a good reminder how fortunate we are and how quickly things can change. So yep. live your days because you might not have a September 12th. So I was... uh. I can't believe I forgot because I've been watching that new documentary on Netflix. Yep. Um, that's it gives you goosebumps oh, it, every time it, it, when you whenever you see those planes flying into them towers, you definitely instantly it's a flashback yeah. to where you were, what you were doing, and it just how the whole world was just still right. And and I was so young that I didn't know what was going on. Right. And it's, it's just, it sucks. Yeah. It, it, it sucks. I couldn't imagine. No. Yeah. It's it's crazy stuff, but we can, we're fortunate to still be around. We can use it as a reminder to make the most out of our days while we're here. Yep. So, so America. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I hope everybody has uh, a good opener. Uh, good luck out there from everyone here at border outdoors. Um, if, you, if you're even out in the stand, if any videos, pictures, send them to us. It's, yeah, we'll, we'll post them. Yeah, we're, we're, we. It's not. It's not all about us. It's a, we we do this because we enjoy it, but it's also to help other people and like we want to see what you're doing. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care if you send us. You, you shot a yearling fawn. It's your first deer yep. ever with a bow. Send it to us. We love that stuff, man. Just make sure you're smiling in your picture. Yeah. So no, no straight face. <laughs> and we also want to hear. Uh, different broadheads like i i use rage uh other people try it you know the difference between fixed and and all the fixed and uh what's the other uh, uh, mechanical, mechanical. Yep. um so yeah if you have any questions don't don't hesitate to reach out tag us mm-hmm. uh i'm just i want to see what people are doing i want to see people's does bucks yep spike anything, like, anything. i want to i want to see all your guys's pictures yep send them our way and keep listening yeah well, no Minnesota goodbye this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, with Border Outdoors, I'm Mac. I'm Seth. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Border Outdoors podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Links are provided at borderoutdoors.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends, and we'll see you at the border.